0: You are listening to a sermon from the Mulvane Church of Christ in Mulvane, Kansas. Subscribe in your favorite podcatching app or find and listen to any sermon online at mulvanechurch.com slash sermons. Tonight here in Hebrews 12, we're in the final uh, two chapters of the book and uh, we're in the final chapter, as they've been divided, of the main line of exhortation. And uh, instruction, there's going to be some miscellaneous exhortations in chapter 13. uh, But we're in the uh, last of the main line of argument and exhortation. Uh, We've seen how Christ was greater in so many respects uh, in relation to position, uh, uh, even regarding angels of service and ministry, even regarding Moses and Aaron, uh, those things. God gave uh, to the people by the law and the ones who brought the law, uh, the greater sacrifices of Christ, his greater mediation, the great salvation that's now in him. And last two studies were on the examples of the faithful as reasons to uh, follow as they'd received uh, so much that God had promised, yet they served not receiving the fullness of it, but it, was, it wasn't until our time uh, that the fullness came. And it even go so far as to say apart from them, or apart from us, pardon, uh, they were not made perfect. So now we have the example of Jesus. And we don't always think of Jesus in the example of the faithful, but he was the most faithful that there ever was. And so the faithfulness of Jesus is uh, something to be uh, a lesson for us and an encouragement for us an example uh, for us, and also uh, the one we see on whom we can truly rely. Moving on from there, we're going to see that uh, God disciplines uh, his children, all those whom he receives, and expects us to help one another out. And so uh, this uh, first part of the last chapter then on finishing. So we're going to have a strong finish to the book of Hebrews, encouraging us to finish our race in a strong way as well. So chapter 12, first part on finishing. Next time, uh, chapter uh, 12, we'll continue our study uh, with more on the strong finish. So the text, Hebrews 12, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin that so easily entangles us, And let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you're reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as sons. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterward it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Therefore strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble. Make straight paths for your feet, so the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all men, and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one comes short, of the grace of God, and that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled, so that there be no immoral or godless person like Esau. And then it continues. We read on in to the section about Esau, just a little past our reading, because this uh, study tonight is to be verses 1 to 14. But I believe the key verse of all of chapter uh, 15 All of chapter 12 is in the 15th verse, right where we're going to break the study between uh, this week's and next week's study, Lord willing. Right there in verse 15, it says, see to it that no one comes short of the grace of God. So brethren, see that no one comes up short of receiving all that God's grace intends. How do we do that? Pardon. How do we do that? We have uh, the practical exhortation to fix our eyes on Jesus, uh, the one who was uh, faithful, as we said, the most faithful, uh, the one who charted the path for us, the one who empowers us to follow the path. We have then also the discipline of God, the exhortation to remember that God's uh, discipline, uh, his methods here are to help us, and they are signs of our reception. His discipline is not a sign of our rejection. His discipline is because he loves us and he wants the best for us. And so it's our reception that's emphasized and he does it for our improvement because he cares. And then we have the instruction of helping one another. Then we have to finish, and it'll be next week's study, we have the negative example. After the positive examples, we have the negative example of Esau. Esau was, if you recall, uh, the twin brother of the man who uh, was Israel. He was the twin brother of Jacob. He was the first son of the child of promise, but he was rejected, and he lost his blessing. He became the left-behind uncle of the patriarchs, and he's in the story for a little while as a central character, but not in a good way, and he's left behind. And so Esau is brought out as our negative example, and then we're told of what kind of glorious kingdom it is instead that God would bring us to. So that'll be next time with uh, the negative example of Esau and the great thing to which God brings us to. But now uh, let us turn our eyes here back in verse 1 to Jesus, to Jesus. So we had the great cloud of witnesses, verse 1 said. We had all those faithful people. Uh, We think about them, uh, and we kind of go to an athletic metaphor here. We've got a great cloud of witnesses, uh, witnesses, Think about the stadium full of the faithful people who've run their race. They're now going to watch us run our race as we are running our race. Uh, what are we doing? We are laying aside every incumbent, encumbrance and the sin that so easily entangles us. We run our race with endurance. So the race we're in, it's not just one lap around the stadium. It's, it's a bit more of a marathon. It's a, it's a long run. And on that long run, there are troubles. There are things that encumber us. We lay aside every encumbrance and the sin that entangles us. Uh, the encumbrance might be, uh, well, you think about athletes. Uh, you almost can't watch some of the races uh, that some of the athletes run uh, because uh, they paired their clothing down to such a degree that uh, uh, it almost doesn't seem, uh, you know, quite... Uh, uh, quite, uh, uh, seemly to, to watch them. There's one athletic competition, uh, that, uh, uh I know about that uh, one of the common descriptions of it is, is called the underwear Olympics. And it's, that's not a sexually suggestive thing in that regard. It's just, yeah, here's a bunch of big fellas uh, out competing in their skivvies. Uh, but they don't want anything that would encumber them. They don't want anything that would hinder their movement. And we know that in the ancient games, The athletes literally did run uh, naked. Uh, So I suppose we ought to thank the Lord for the blessing of Lycra so that we can at least watch some of these uh, competitions because at least something is covered a bit, at least maybe, well, its colors at least changed. Uh, But they take these things off, and they're uh, more concerned uh, with the uh, uh, extra hundredth of a second, the extra little bit of performance that they, they can get than the modesty. Uh, that is involved, because their their goal is set entirely upon the race. Well, in our Christian walk, in our Christian race, our endurance race, we need to get rid of things that would hinder us, things that would slow us down in that uh, regard. Uh, we definitely wouldn't uh, be taking along extra weight. Uh, you know, you watch anybody take, getting ready to do uh, any kind of competition, and you often see them handing all manner of things, uh, to their coaches or or to their assistants before their run. Uh, you think about those uh, guys doing ski jumping or whatever, and there's certain gear they put on, but then there's also certain gear they take off, uh, and they hand their coats or they hand their, their gloves or whatever, uh, they hand those to the assistants who are there thereby, because they don't want anything that gets in the way. We don't want anything that gets in the way of our Christian walk, and it, it explains here in a parallelism, there's every kind of encumbrance, everything that slows us down, also the sin that entangles us. And so, especially if you're running a race, the worst thing you want is to be tangled up in anything. So uh, the track is cleared of all obstacles. Uh, you know, you just think about the, uh, the work done to make sure that the track is as level as possible, uh, to make sure the track is as clean as possible. Every kind of thing is taken off the track. And the only time we see things on the track in races is usually in uh, those kind of highlights uh, of, you know, the, the not top 10, uh, the, the folly highlights, the, uh, the mistake highlights where there's things on the track. And uh, we have, though, in our Christian walk, uh, we have all kinds of things on the track, on the course, on the way, all kinds of sin that easily tangles us up. And we'd like for there not to be that, but there is. The sin easily entangles us. It's so easy for us to get just off the track. It's so easy for us uh, to run into or run through obstacles. Every kind of, of uh, lust, every kind of unbelief, every kind of uh, uh, discouragement, every kind of thing uh, comes up and it just seems to, you know, be so easily attracted, we get tangled up in it. And so sin easily entangles us. Well, what's the cure? Verse two, fix your eyes on Jesus. One of the reasons why we can fix our eyes on Jesus is uh, he has run this race. Uh, He had a life of faithful service. He was the most faithful and is the author or the captain, the leader of the way. We've already been told this back in chapter three. Holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. He was faithful to him who appointed him as Moses was in his house. He has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, for as the builder of the house has more glory and honor than the house. Every house is built by someone. The builder of all things is God. Moses was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things to be spoken of later. But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, and so there we're told to consider Jesus. As here we're told to uh, fix our eyes upon Jesus. And verse three it tells us again, consider him. So what we studied recently in Psalm one, you know, we meditate upon the law of God day and night. The blessed man does well. We're to consider Jesus, meditate on Jesus. He built this house. He was faithful and is faithful in this house. If you'd like to know how to conduct yourself in this house, his house, then look to the master of the house. Look to the builder of it. Look to the author of our salvation. He is the author and perfecter of faith. Uh, He's the captain of our salvation, which is the same word uh, back in chapter 2, verse 10, or some translations say he's the author of our salvation. It's also used this word author uh, uh, twice of him in Acts. Uh, where he is the Prince of Life, so the Author of Life, or the Prince of Life, and the Prince and Savior uh, of us all. Acts five thirty-two, uh, excuse me, five thirty-one. So four different times this one peculiar word: Author, uh, Captain, uh, the one who goes before, the 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 leader uh, of the army who who uh, showed the way as well as picked out the way. He he picked out the way we'll go. He will showed us the way to go. So fix your eyes on him. So follow him. Go where he goes. Uh, Do what he does. He did this, uh, becoming the author and perfecter of faith for us, being the most faithful, as it says, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of God. How did he do that? As it said in the middle of that verse, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And so this was the faithfulness of Jesus. This was the striving of Jesus for us. And so look to him, look to the one who was on the cross, look to the one who overcame death, look to the one who gave the instruction, look to the one who did this with joy, despising the shame. And so as the Christians are running their race, we think about the great cloud of witnesses, uh, that are, uh, surrounding us. But we also realize that there's also guys out there throwing jeers and taunts as we run our race. I think about, uh, uh, was his name Barzillai, uh, the fellow who, as uh, David was fleeing from Jerusalem when Absalom had his rebellion, as David was fleeing, uh, there was a fellow as David was going through the the narrow valleys. There was a fellow up on the hill, and and he was shouting insults at David. He's saying, "You got what you deserve, you dirty old man. You got what you deserve for all the things you've done for killing so many people and 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 uh, causing so much death. Everything of this is is fully deserved." And he 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 mocked david and he despised david and david just took it as he went his men actually said hey you want us to run up there and kill that guy get rid of him for you and david said no let him let him do his thing and so we we have people like that as we run our race and people who would discourage us we got the great cloud of witnesses uh but uh, even though they're a great encouragement to us they can seem a bit distant uh the uh, fellows like the jeering guys the guys we know, uh, the people who are, are making fun of us as we make our uh, Christian journey, make our Christian run. and uh, You're never going to make it. You know, you're too weak. You're off track. You're, you're, you know, The other fellows are doing it better than you. What do you think you're doing? All of those kind of things. What's our encouragement? Well, we fix our eyes on Jesus. He was made fun of. Read Psalm 22. It's prophesied. He knew it was coming. Read the Gospels as they mocked him as he was there. But Jesus despised that shame, and they, they humiliated him more than they could uh, definitely us. Uh, they uh, gave him every heap of, of shame and embarrassment and, and uh, discouragement they could. And yet, where is he now? He's sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so look to that. Let that be your example. Follow after him. Consider him who endured such hostility against himself. So there's outright hostility of the maker of this route, of the first runner of this route, of the first one who went this way. Uh, We go this way in Christ to God. Here's the one, Christ himself, who brought the way uh, to God. It was hostility every step of the way. But it worked out, and it went well in the end. So you do not grow weary and lose heart. Again, what did we say was our key verse that we were looking at in this chapter? See to it that no one comes up short. Well, one way to come up short is to give up and pull up. We just pull up short and say, nope, I've had it. I'm not going no further. I can't do it anymore. No, don't grow weary. Don't lose heart. You keep going. Like in Galatians 6, 9, don't lose heart in doing good, for in due time we'll reap if we don't grow weary. Or James 5 and verse 7, be patient, therefore, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Verse 8, you too be patient, strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. So we're waiting for that day for him to come, or we're waiting for that day that we go to him. We are near to God, and we need strength, we need faith to finish the course. Now, verse 3, excuse me, now in verse uh, 4, Uh, we find out that it it might get tougher for a bit. The writer says, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. And you're being faithful and not sinning. It hasn't yet caused you to shed blood. Well, shed blood is a common scriptural figure of speech meaning someone's dead. Shedding blood don't mean you bleed a lot. Shedding blood means you bleed out. Shedding blood uh, is a common metaphor for death because so often death is a bloody business, especially violent death, uh, untimely death, death caused by somebody else. So some of these people may, well, have persecution even to the point of death. But if we don't have that, they'll then, you know, hey, they haven't killed us yet. We can keep going, right? And if they do kill us, well, we'll just have a quicker trip to Jesus but it might go well, it might go poorly for them, and it might be real difficult. And we see now about discipline, about discipline. You've forgotten the exhortation, and it quotes from the Proverbs, and we could read it uh, from the Proverbs back in chapter 3 and 11 and 12, or we could read it here, it's a full quote, There's, uh, we can read it in either place, it's the same words. My son, so here it is, an address to my son, it's from God to his son, and here It means not just Jesus as the son of God. Yes, he's the only begotten son of God. And uh, I think we can see how this would uh, apply to him. Certainly, he, he bore much chastening as God's son. But my son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved. And so don't give up because it's difficult. Don't give up because maybe even God has caused a chastening or scourging to come upon you. Because that's what happens with sons. Sons are chastened. Sons are scourged. Sons are disciplined. This is the exhortation to sons from the Proverbs, and it still applies to us now. Those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son that he receives. And so if you're a child of God, you're going to be under fatherly discipline. Not just discipline, that's the object here but uh, care, concern, provision, inheritance. uh, There's a lot of things that go with being a child of the father, but with being a child of the father is a fatherly discipline. And this is necessary to help us and to improve us. Uh, We're not disciplined when we do everything right. We're disciplined when things are wrong. We're disciplined for the sake of improvement. We're disciplined for... Uh, lessons we might learn through it, of faithfulness, of uh, obedience, of humility, of patience, and such good characteristics and qualities as that. So just as a person who never has to wait on anything is never going to learn patience, so a person who's never corrected on anything is, well, they're never going to learn humility. A person who is never going to learn obedience until they are made to obey when they see the folly of disobedience. So the Father gave us such, as it says in the book of Proverbs. Now, back to the instruction, verse 7. It is for discipline that you endure. So discipline helps us endure. Taking the discipline and coming through it to the other side, learning the lesson in it, that gives us endurance, right? Uh, Over in the book of James, count it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into uh, various kind of trials. Right? Because uh, these things uh, eventually, as it works through the process, it says it works endurance or perseverance. And so the father disciplines his son as we go on in verse seven. uh, The God deals with you as his sons, for what son is there whom his father doesn't discipline? So we could go to a bunch of other Proverbs and read about the discipline that fathers are to give sons. He who spares the rod hates his son but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but the child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. Correct your son, he'll give you comfort. He will be a delight to your soul. And so we see the rod, we see reproof, uh, we see a channeling of the will so that we don't always get our own way, and we see correction. Well, this is what parents do, especially fathers. Not only the role of the father, but The father's the head of the house, generally the disciplinarian uh, of the house. And so if you're without discipline, of which all have become partakers, so everyone's disciplined, don't think, oh, woe is me. It's only me. I'm the only one that God treats this way, or I'm the only one who has a hard time being a Christian. I'm the only one who gets all these uh, obstacles and encumbrances and things that entangle me as I try to go. I'm the only one who has all this. No, no all have become partakers, then you're illegitimate children, not sons. The only way you're going to avoid this is to not be treated as a child. And you do not want to not, double negative there, you do not want to not be a child of God. You want to be a child of God. You don't want to be treated like you're illegitimate and not really one of God's children. You don't want that. Now, people all the time think they want that. I want to be free of God. I want to be free of his restrictions. I want to be free of his consequences. I want to be free. I want to define my own life in my own terms and do my own thing. Right? What did those great uh, anti-prophets of the people say? It's your your thing. Do what you want to do. No. (laughs) No, it's not your thing. It's not your life. It's God's. Use it for his glory. Use it. Uh, for his uh, in his will if you're outside of god's discipline if you're outside of god's instructions if you're outside of god's way then what's the end of that well it's not the way of god and the blessings of god it's not the inheritance of god that goes to his children furthermore and here's the example we had earthly fathers to discipline us and we respected them So our fathers disciplined us. Now, now here is for all the fathers who sometimes will worry if they're inadequate to the task, uh, if they really are doing as they ought, because we know the instruction, uh, which is fathers don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and admonition of the Lord. Uh, that, That can be a heavy burden. But we have this comfort about what earthly fathers do, and the scriptures recognize it, and it could be no other way, but it's nice to hear it said. By inspiration. We had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more rather be subject to the Father of spirits and and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, so that we may share in his holiness. Fathers, you are under the instruction to bring them up in the discipline. An admonition or instruction of the Lord. But as it says here, it seems best to them. Fathers, you have to do what you think is best at the time to bring them in the way of God. And you'll get a lot of advice, especially a lot of worldly advice. Uh, and you'll get a lot of advice sometimes from, from brethren, and some will be really good advice, and some will just be well-meaning but not very good. But at the end of the day, the Father has to, as it seems best to them, as seems best to him, bring them up in God's way. And now this recognizes that fathers will not be perfect in that because there's no part of the Christian walk, especially in a world where there's all kind of encumbrances and sin that easily entangles us, right? From back up in verse 1 and 2, where we're going to do this perfectly. But as it says, the children, it says we respected them. Children should be taught to respect, and they should give respect, even if the fathers are imperfect, because what fathers not? And so this is not an instruction of perfection uh, regarding earthly fathers. It's a recognition we're not perfect, and yet we still uh, are able to do what God intends us to do, even in our imperfection. But the father of spirits, shall we not be subject to the father of spirits and live, Because he disciplines us for our good. He does it always without mistake. And so always without mistake, the Father of Spirits guides his people. He does it always for good. And as a result, we can share in his holiness. And so God leads us to be holy like he's holy, right? That's the great call, repeated uh, multiple times in Leviticus and repeated uh, numerous times in the New Testament as well. Be holy as he is holy. Well, how? by following his plan of instruction and discipline, by being under uh, the guidance of the word, by receiving that and living that in a faithful way. And so he disciplines us for our good. Earthly fathers, they did their best, and we're glad they did. Uh, And we respect them for what they did. And those who don't, uh, uh, well, what's the first commandment? Honor your father and mother, right? Honor them. Uh, They they have an important job and do that important job, uh, you know, looking to Jesus as you do. Uh, And children grow up obeying them, submitting to them, looking to Jesus as you do. Uh, But then recognize we've got a greater father in heaven uh, with even greater plans and purposes. And his goal is to bring us to holiness. And there might be some discipline. Well, there shall be. There will be some discipline to bring us to his holiness. Now, we don't like it when it happens. Uh, Verse 11, all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful. Well, Everybody there, amen. (laughs) I didn't like it. Don't like it. Um, All discipline doesn't seem at the moment to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet for those who've been trained by it, afterward it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. And so we just think about uh, that uh, as a general principle uh, of life, as well as a peculiar thing here in the Christian life, that if anyone's trained in a way, if anyone's trained in a discipline, if anyone has gone through the efforts to really perfect the thing, that practice is no fun. Uh, They'll sometimes do uh, documentary-type things on some of our great athletes. And they'll show some of their training regimen, how early they get up, how many hours a day uh, they put into a thing. And, and so many of these uh, athletic disciplines where, uh, you know, you reach your physical peak of it uh, uh, as a, a teenager or very early 20s. Uh, but you got to put in so many hours still to be skilled in it. Uh, these people don't even go to school, right? They go to special schools or, or school is done around their training schedule. Everything is done so that they can have the outcome and for the elite ones, it really worked well. Uh, well, every kind of discipline, every kind of, of uh, regimen that we may follow, it's no fun to get started. And it's, it's no fun so often through the intermediate stages. But when it begins to yield its fruit, when the results begin to show, then we can really appreciate it. Well, in this case... The regimen is of faith in Christ, of sanctification, as we'll see in later verse. The peaceful fruit, the good result here is righteousness. It's righteousness. And so one of the things about so many of these, uh, again, using the example of athletes because we in a text that has brought that uh, up, is we think, well, I don't know if the payoff would be worth it. I don't know if I'd want to go through that to accomplish that, right? Or sometimes we do see these athletes, they've reached the height of power and popularity and earning ability, and because of their physical skills, they command multi-millions of dollars in salaries or endorsements or in appearances because people want to see these ones who've accomplished so much. And nearly everybody wants to have the result, but almost nobody puts in the work. And so those guys did, and it worked well for them. Well, for us in the life of Christ, there's a training in the way of God, and there's a great reward in it, a peaceful fruit of righteousness. And so we want that peaceful fruit, but sometimes we don't like the course of discipline that gets us there. But the course of discipline is what brought it to us. Talking about the discipline of children from the Proverbs, It says, don't hold back discipline from your child. Although you beat him with a rod, he will not die. You shall beat him with the rod and deliver his soul from Sheol. So sometimes there's a soul in the balance of earthly discipline. But then we also think now, again, by parallel, the spiritual discipline. Psalm 119, 67. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I keep your word. Or Psalm 119 again, now verse 71. It was good for me that I was afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. So there are some learnings we we get better, more effectively in difficulty than in ease. We might have wished it was a simple book assignment where we just sort of filled in the blank, especially fill in the blank out of a word bank, right? Okay, I know it's got to be one of those 12 words, and if I use that word here, I only got 11 words left in my process elimination. But it's not always fill in the blank with a word bank provided. It's not like the algebra book all the time. Uh, you know, that we like, you know, the answer to the even numbers or the odd numbers, I forget which answers to half the questions are in the back. So we can always immediately uh, check our work. Although sometimes even that didn't help me much, but We have a peaceful outcome of righteousness that only comes with some difficult experience at times and applying the word in a deeper way than we ever would have thought we needed to. But even our Savior, who knew all things and was closer to the heart of God than anyone, he spent nights in prayer and mornings in prayer and evenings in prayer. And we think about his devotion to the word that he knew, and then we try to go through life without that devotion of prayer and without that knowledge of the word. And even though the word is with us, uh, well, if we got it on our phones. We have it multiple printed copies all around us. We still don't read it to know, and we wonder, well, why is it going so hard? Why is this? Why isn't this easier? Or maybe under the discipline of the Father. But again, if you are under the discipline of the Father. That is not a sign of rejection. That's a sign of reception. And it's an exercise to help us improve. So, therefore, now comes the mutual aid section. Verse 12: Strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble. As the apostle said to the Galatians, he said, Bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. As Isaiah said long ago, Isaiah 35, Encourage the exhausted and strengthen the feeble. Say to those who are anxious of heart, take courage and fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. The recompense of God will come, but he will save you. you. And so say to one another and bear with one another. Bear the burdens of one another. Strengthen the others. What did Paul say The Romans 14? No one lives to himself and no one dies to himself. Whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. And also through this connection of faith and in the connection of family and community that God put us, we are connected to one another. There is no lone ranger here. Uh, There is no solitary Christian here. There are people who are helping one another. Are, Are they weak? There's your job. Are they feeble? There's your responsibility. Are they not walking straight? There's your, there's your opportunity to go help. Make straight the paths of your feet so the limbs which are lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. So you walk straight and you help others to walk straight too. There is a straight walk, right? There's a narrow gate. There's a narrow way to life in Matthew 7. There's a highway and white right way through the wilderness in the Lord, Isaiah 40. The voice is calling clear the way in the wilderness, make smooth a desert highway for our God. Let every valley be lifted up. Let every mountain and hill be made low. Let the rough ground be made plain and the rugged terrain a broad valley. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all flesh will see it together. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. Help others. Make the way easier for them. Uh, Those who are out of joint, uh, help them be healed. And then our final instruction tonight, pursue peace with all men. How do you help the weak? Well, not by causing trouble. How do you help those that are out of joint? Not, not with a big fight. No, pursue peace. Pursue peace. Right? We pay back. We don't pay back evil for evil to anyone, and that's Romans twelve. And that's uh, in mind of of the community we live in. In that case, uh, surrounded by pagans. How much more so among the brethren? Uh, as far as is possible be at peace with everybody and don't be overcome with evil but overcome evil with good and so pursue peace and do good to everybody in this this again we have back in chapter 10 we we're to provoke one another to love and good deeds well here we're to to help along the way and it says pursue not just peace but also the sanctification king james will say the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Heaven is a holy place. Those that are going to go there have been made holy by the Lord. He has sanctified them. And then we are to pursue sanctification. If we don't pursue sanctification, we aren't pursuing the life in the Lord. We're not doing anything to imitate our Father who is in heaven. But we'll also know in this verse... Pursuing peace and here pursuing sanctification, we can't ever fall in the trap of thinking that these two things, that peace and sanctification, are in opposition. You can't be factious and justify your actions by saying, well, I'm just trying to be holy, and I'm trying to get them to be holy. And you can't uh, say, well, I'm going to compromise with that which is wrong, You can't have moral compromise and say, well, we're just keeping the peace. Here we have both peace and sanctification to be pursued in tandem, to be achieved together. Uh, It's an equal departure from God's word to go to either side, to go to uh, factiousness, claiming it's for holiness, or go to compromise, claiming it's for peace. We have to work out that balancing act. We have to work out that balance of all things. Uh, And moderation, uh, let your moderation be known to, uh, uh, to all the scriptures that tell us. As it was saying in the book of James, the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy. Well, there's no factiousness there in the peacefulness, gentleness, reasonableness, and mercifulness, but also there's no compromise with uh, error there and and, and, uh, wrong because it's pure and it's without hypocrisy. And so that's the wisdom from above. That's not the wisdom of the world. The wisdom of the world says pick one. All right. Sanctification or peace. Pick one. God says your instruction is to follow both as the Lord did. So James said, the seed of whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make for peace. You can't have righteousness without peace. And you can't have peace without righteousness. They're set. So help each other to do that. There is no uh, situation where you're going to purposely leave others behind so that, well, I'm going to leave you behind so I can get closer to God. Well, I know evil companions corrupt good morals, yet you're going to leave behind heathens and pagans, but not brethren. And some have thought that was the path to greater sanctification, and that was an error. But others have thought that the path to uh, uh, greater peace is without sanctification, and that is an equal error. So our conclusion tonight and where we start next time and again Uh, where we said is the key verse here in verse 15. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God. How do we do that tonight? By fixing our eyes on Jesus. We have the greatest example, as we had all the other great examples, but here's a better one. At the beginning of chapter 12, even greater than the faithful of chapter 11, we have the discipline of God to direct us, and we have each other helping along the way. Next time, the negative example of Esau but then the glorious thing to which God has called us in his kingdom. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the Mulvane Church of Christ. Additional sermons and information available at mulvanechurch.com. Come see what a difference the Bible way makes.